So when we had the retreat uh, for hospitality and the wonderful teaching by John Michael and Diane, I forgot to push the record button on my phone. And so the introduction was not recorded. Of course, the part with John Michael and Diane, thank the Lord, was recorded. So I am now recording the introduction after the fact, because uh, it's important to ground their teaching in both the series that we are in and also in John 17, which is the source of all of our commitments for the community uh, commitment. So in terms of the series, we are in a series called Foundations of Community. This series was begun kind of unwittingly, unbeknownst to us, about a year ago when Caroline Owens, in the first retreat in person back from the COVID pandemic, uh, gave us the, the teaching on the accuser of the brethren. And we had such a sense at that time that it was a significant teaching and didn't realize it was also a cornerstone for a series uh, of which we're almost at the end. And that series has become uh, the foundational Foundations of Commitment series with the renunciations and the commitments we have in our community commitment. So the renunciations are fivefold. Uh, first of all, I renounce the accuser of the brethren. That came from Caroline's teaching. Also, the next one, I renounce his ways of self-elevation, lying, and faction-making. Then uh, from... Marisha's teaching on living in the light, I renounce hiding my sins. Uh, then uh, Marisha also had a teaching on repentance. So the fourth renunciation is I renounce unrepentance. And then finally, Amy gave us a talk on forgiveness, matching with the fifth renunciation, I renounce unforgiveness. So those are the five renunciations. Uh, then we moved on to the five commitments. The first commitment is the commitment to prayer. Uh, that's really the beginning. It literally was the beginning of our, our house of prayer. And the other commitments have developed after that. The second is to reconciliation. Third commitment, formation. And it's in the center because it's the centerpiece. You can't do any of the others without being formed into the image of Christ. And now we're on the fourth commitment, uh, hospitality. And then later today in the retreat, we will do the fifth commitment, um, which is work. Every one of the commitments has been grounded in John 17, and this one is no different. So for, uh, for the commitment for hospitality, um, if you look in John 17, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is John 17, 24. So in 21 through 23, he prays for us. I pray for them that they would be one. But in 24, he changes his prayer and he starts to pray about us. So the Father is receiving the prayer of the Son about us. Now, wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall listening to what Jesus prays to the Father about you? Well, here we are. Flies on the wall. And this is what he prays. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory, the glory you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the universe. Now, I won't preach on this verse, although I'm tempted, but uh, I want you to notice that the key part that relates to hospitality 
is that Jesus wants us to be with him. So hospitality is really made perfect by uh, the desire for the person to be there. You could be in the greatest five-star hotel, and if you sense that they don't really want you there, then it's not a pleasant experience. But you could be alternatively in a very poor house, but welcomed very warmly by the host, and it's better than that five-star hotel experience where they didn't want you. Jesus wants us. He wants us. He desires us to be with him. So that is the core of hospitality. Um, as with prayer, as with formation, as with all the other things, hospitality is practiced at many different kind of levels or different arenas. Um, first, in our own household. So every one of us, whether we're single, part of a, a roommate household or a family, uh, we are called to practice hospitality. Um, second, in our local church, local parish, hospitality to other church members, other parishioners. Third, hospitality to other members of CTR. So we come together, we bring food, we welcome each other, we embrace each other. Hospitality in our community. Fourth, hospitality as a community to others who come and visit us. So we've seen this many times where somebody comes and visits and we welcome them, we cook for them, we have a meal together, we spend time listening to them, we pray for them, we care about them. And they end up leaving very refreshed and blessed from our hospitality as a community. Now, we haven't always been good at this. Uh, this picture shows the early days of AHOP, and I want to tell a quick story from that. Um, we had our Friday night times, and we would intensely pray and worship and go before the Lord. And uh, we loved doing that. One day I had a visitor who came to me. Uh, a woman who was a leader in the city, and she said, I need to talk to you privately. So I said, okay, what's this about? And she said, uh, I have something to say. You guys, I love the way you pray, but you stink at hospitality. And I said, really? Tell me more. She said, the last two Fridays I've come to pray with you. No one has ever greeted me, welcomed me, spoken to me. I just came Two hours was there, no one ever talked to me, and then I left and no one said goodbye. Twice I had this experience, two weeks in a row. So you need to get your act together and become better at hospitality. So that was probably 2007, maybe, 2006. Uh, and I would say after that, we got together as a community. We, I brought this forward to everyone, and we began to intentionally work on being welcoming and being hospitable. And we were in a much different place than we were then. We are very much better at hospitality. I have nothing but commendation to speak to us as a community in this regards, but at the same time, we can take it up a notch, and for that we've invited the king and queen of hospitality at CTR, John Michael and Diane Wall, to come and speak to us. This is a scripture that Amy was kind of made aware of in the last few weeks. And it's from 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. So, wow, the Lord's going to come back. We care about this, right? Yes, we do. So what should we do? Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. 
offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So Lord, I thank you for John, Michael, and Diane, and I lift them up to you right now, and I ask that in light of your soon coming return to the earth, we would hear from Peter, and also from them, the need to love each other deeply and offer hospitality without grumbling. Amen. Amen. So beautiful. So as we're going to talk about hospitality, I want to lay a simple but sturdy foundation for it, and that is that first of all, we know that Jesus told us in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. And we also know that Jesus said in John 5.19, I only do what I see the Father doing. And basically, throughout the Gospels, as we see Jesus in action, he's telling us to go and do likewise. I and the Father are one. I only do what I see the Father doing. And go and do likewise. So let's look a little further into hospitality. Next, I want us to focus on some things that we know that Jesus is doing right now. He's interceding for us, right? Romans 8.34 says he's at the right hand of the Father, always praying for us. I imagine he's praying all kinds of prayers. We know when he was here that he prayed a very personal prayer for Peter that when Satan sifted him, that he wouldn't fall away, but instead encourage his brothers. So Jesus is interceding even now this morning, just as he also interceded in the past. What else do we know that Jesus is doing right now? We know from John 14, 3, that he is preparing a place for us and also from John 17, as Thomas read. And why? Because he wants us to be with him where he is. Just help think how truly beautiful that is. How the knowledge that he spent the last 2,000 plus years mm. preparing a place for us. How that can just pierce our hearts with those sweet arrows of his love that, you know, only he can do. He is interceding constantly, and he is preparing a place for us. What a thought. Mm. Last weekend, Lisette Espinosa taught at the Hope Women's Retreat. She was talking about the return of Christ. Well, I think she was. I don't remember a lot, but I remember this. Okay. <laughs> She was talking about the return of Christ and the ushering in of his kingdom as the big reveal. And I love that. The big reveal. Talk about a big reveal. Mm. Jesus is going to capture us with what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and what, what God has in store for those who love him. God, Jesus, loves to offer unimaginably extravagant hospitality. 
he's getting ready for the amazing big reveal. Mm. And it's not just that he's preparing a place for us with where he with him, but he's planned a huge no holds barred wedding supper also. And I mean, it's an intimate and beautiful beyond words meal. We're talking way beyond Michelin star, beyond Babbitt's feast, a lavish expression of his love for us and of his heart to pour out to us what God, what this God of all creation can wow us with. It takes my breath away. I had my breath taken away when I was 24 years old by a feast. Hmm. John Michael Wall, whom I barely knew, was catering a friend's wedding of over 300 guests. Oh, wow. I think I started falling in love with you that very <laughs> day. He made these spectacular trays of hors d'oeuvres with these little food sculptures on them. I think you had like a baby lobster on one and ornamental cabbages. I mean, I just, I was back in the kitchen more than out watching my friend get married. <laughs> watching you more than her and who, thinking, who is this guy with this much creativity? And the food was rapturous. What a small glimpse mm. into the hospitable heart of God. You showed those wedding guests and me that day, John Michael. Hmm. John Michael and I believe that these two activities that we saw in what Christ is doing, interceding and preparing, interceding and preparing, are the basis for Christian hospitality. And they express the ongoing work of Christ through us in the world today. Thus, hospitality at its best is a prophetic act. Born of, when, of prayerful listening and then obeying. What is this thing I could do? How can I make this a little more special for them when they come? Right? That's how it works. I'm reminded of getting in on the end of a video call that Thomas and Amy had with George and Hannah Miley recently. I stopped to say hello and George asked about John Michael. He said, you know, when we came for the Ancient Wells retreat, John Michael asked what we would want to have for breakfast and snacks in our room. And he found things that were so good and just what we wanted. I will never forget it. Please let him know how much that blessed him. Hmm. There it is, hospitality in action. Not a grand meal, but J. John Michael prayerfully considering how to bless this couple and then doing it. I think you wanted to say a little bit too about well, that retreat and what all happened. It's interesting that, like, that that's what he remembers that, I mean, that was like 20 years ago, wasn't it, Thomas? Not quite that long, but 12, 13, 12, 13 yeah. years. That's what he remembers is the breakfast things I got for them and the snacks that I got for them. And um, not the big Indian meal that I put on in honor of their anniversary, but yeah. the, the breakfast and the snacks. Mm. And 
that stuck in their minds the most, in their hearts. And that's what he remembered. And I think that's so beautiful and so often true about hospitality. It's not the big, big things we do. Sometimes it's the very little intimate things that we do for people that really matter to them and make a big difference. And so, um, you know, CTR now, like without people living on the land, I mean, yeah, we are some of us living on the land, but without a large number of people living on the land, you know, we're kind of limited in what we can, can do like that because it takes people, it takes a number of people to, to minister on that level and, and serve people on that level. And so, really, we're wanting to try to try to give like lay a foundation for like the big, the big things that we will eventually do, and have us all begin to think about how can we take hospitality to the next level at CTR now with what we have, with the resources we have. What could we do? And so, we really want you to think about that, and uh, we're going to have a just a little bit of time of. Um, feedback, hopefully, sharing maybe some things that you that you're thinking on your heart about about hospitality for CTR, what that could look like, um, even you know now. Yeah, I think about then as you can think about things too. I was thinking about my mother, and I learned so much from my mother and John Michael about hospitality. My mother, she, mm. we didn't have a lot of money, but my mother, when I would go away to college and I would come home, I grew up in Minnesota, and we had lilacs there. Now, it's similar to wisteria, but I think wisteria doesn't hold even a second candle hardly <laughs> to lilacs. And we had a lilac bush in my, in my yard of growing up. And when I would come home from college, every summer when I would come into my room, she'd have my new room all neat, and she'd have some lilacs picked and the first thing I would smell was that lilac smell just wafting in and I always felt her love and her her special you know doing just a special mm -hmm. simple thing like that mm -hmm. I'm sure you have lots of things too you think about that mm -hmm. I want us though to look at some times that Jesus offered hospitality to his disciples think of the last supper <clears throat> He sees to the planning of this night's meal, even down to making sure that they have a private room. I'm going to take a drink of water. <clears throat> I think the grass pollen is high from what I read. I'm trying not to cry. <clears throat> he made sure they even had a private room because he's going to pour out all the things he wants that he needs to share with them before he's taken from them. And he doesn't rush this meal, right? It's a long discourse. Three whole chapters, really three and a half in John. It he takes his time, but don't you bet also that he's suffering even then, that he wanted to be with them, but yet how much he also longed to already be out in that garden with God, pouring out his heart and feeling his father's love for him and being comforted by angels. Mm. I think of another time Jesus shows his love through hospitality. It was after his resurrection. 
The disciples have seen him, but they still don't seem to really get it, that he's fully alive, and what all that means. And they're back at it, back out fishing, getting nothing, catching nothing all night long, tired both physically and emotionally. Someone calls to them, why don't you put your net out on the starboard side? <laughs> and the disciple whom Jesus loves says, it is the Lord. So Peter scoops up his robe and jumps out and heads head first to shore. And what and who greets them? Jesus, who started a fire and has fish and bread on the coals already. And he offers them the simple invitation. Come and eat. Come and eat. I think those are the second best three little words in the English language. <laughs> They're beautiful and such welcome words. I wonder if, too, that that meal prepared at that moment didn't also help prepare Peter to hear the painful but healing question, Peter, do you love me? Good food often softens the blow. A good meal, when a difficult conversation has to take place, is like the saying goes, helps the medicine go down, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. But Jesus takes his hospitality in leaps and bounds further. Beyond all bounds, he offers his very self to be partaken of to be eaten, ingested, to be filled by. He gives his very own body and blood for food. It would be a horrific sacrilege for anyone but God to make such an offer, but even so, it's so daring and so what? How can that be? Who can love like that? Who can expend themselves that completely? So ultimately, so intimately, but Jesus Christ himself, it's stunning, head-spinning, heart-rending stuff. How magnificent, how humble. What a statement he makes in his hospitality towards us. Oh, how much I love you. Oh, how much I want you. I go to the ultimate out-of-the-box lengths for you. Let's just sit with that for a moment. And I want us to come back just a little bit down to earth and look more into hospitality. So we see that hospitality does mean sacrifice, right? Time, money, energy. But clearly it's not without its rewards. Matthew 10 to 42 says, whoever gives even a cup of water to one of these little ones will not lose their reward. And Thomas, you had from Hebrews 6.10, what was that verse that you shared? Um, I love this verse. It says, God is not unjust so as to forget even the smallest act of kindness you have done for one of his people. Which, if you turn it kind of on its head, is saying, if God were to forget the smallest act of offering the right snack to George Miley, you could charge him with injustice. 
I don't know that I want to, I think I'm going to put my papers down. <laughs> and just, uh, so we want Jesus' hospitality to inform our community. Interceding, preparing, interceding, preparing. Come and eat the simple things that welcome. 